Welcome to Social Minute, the podcast that looks at social network minute by minute. Today, we are going to be covering minute number 65, which goes from 1 hour and 4 minutes to 1 hour and 4 minutes and 59. Uh, we start with the Winklevoss twins uh, preparing to storm out. <laughs> um, Cameron now as mad as Tyler uh, at Larry Summers. Um, and then Tyler uh, drops his knob on the desk before, <laughs> before they walk out. Um, and then we jump back to the depositions. Uh, we're there with uh, Gretchen and Eduardo. Uh, she makes it clear that, um, you know, up until this particular point in time, uh, the $1,000 um, was the only money that had been put into the account. Um, and they were going to New York for meetings. Um, and then we jump to uh, what is described as an ad executive's office. Um, and Eduardo starts to lay out, uh, you know, kind of the how many schools they're in, how many members they've got, which is always nice when they give us a little kind of timeline. Um, and he finishes by saying 91% of, and that's where we finish the minute. Um, now, obviously, the ad exec appearing in, in that particular meeting is the writer Aaron Sorkin. Um, but because most of his, because he doesn't say a word in this minute, and you know most of the discussion um, is about a noise that Mark is making in the next minute, um, I'm not going to just talk about him um, and his cameo. Uh, I'll get more into that next week. Uh, joining me to talk about today is Sean German. Hello, Sean. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. And yeah, so you know we've we've had Larry Summers lay down the law and basically say, I do not care. Get out of my office. <laughs> And this is the point at which, you know, Cameron protests the fact that, you know, Larry Summers had said, you know, you don't get special treatment. And of course, Cameron's like, we didn't ask for it. And of course, this is where Tyler is like, you know, start another project. You know, this is not a diorama for science fair. And, you know, this is where Larry is like, you know, if you have a problem with that. And of course, this is where Cameron actually gets angry. And he's like, we never asked for special treatment. Of course, not realizing that, you know, their very presence is special treatment, mm -hmm. as discussed yesterday. And then, of course, he points out the courts are always at your disposal. Um, and then, of course, he asks, is there anything else I can do for you? Uh, at which point Tyler is like, well, you could take the Harvard stu student handbook and show. And of course, this is where Cameron jumps in. He's like, Ty. Um, and then, of course, he says, thank you very much for your time, sir, to Larry Summers. Again, you know, Cameron is the one who will say, sir, even as Ty keeps getting angrier and angrier. Um, and then we get the payoff to the setup from earlier in the week. Uh, you know, Aaron Sorkin, classic, uh, you know, setup and payoff guy. Um, in his writing, he apparently will find a payoff. And then he'll go back and rewrite so that the setup exists. So I'm guessing there's maybe a bit of physical business about the doorknob that he thought would be funny. So he went back and set up the fact about how old, you know, the, the building is. And <laughs> as they come out, um, Cameron just kind of leaves. And then as Tyler comes out, he literally just pulls the doorknob off. <laughs> and I, it's really weird because I'm thinking, does that mean that Larry Summers and Anne are now trapped in the office? Because if it's one of those ones where, you know, you have the knobs on either side, if you pull the one off, then the other one just falls off on the other side and basically the door is, <laughs> is, is shut. So I don't know, have they, you know, have they trapped Larry Summers and Anne in the office? Uh, we'll never find out because, of course, Ty just takes the doorknob and just kind of drops it on the secretary's desk and say, and he goes, as he leaves, he says, I broke your 355-year-old uh, sorry, 335-year-old doorknob. And then off he goes. Um, and I don't know. I th it's really weird because obviously next time we see the twins, as I said before, they'll be in the race, uh, which is, a w again, a wonderful sequence. Um, you know, probably one of my favorite sequences in the entire film. So so well put together. Uh, and then obviously, you know, conversation after the race kind of ends up 
pushing Cameron over the edge, and he finally gets on board with Divya and Tyler. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, obviously, probably, I, I don't know that obviously Larry Summers ever suggested that they go to the courts, but it, it does feel like you know um, at some point someone at Harvard would have said, "Look, you, you're not going to you're not going to get any joy out of Mark Zuckerberg, you know, using Harvard. You're going to have to go sue him." Like. You know, as as all good Americans do, sue somebody. Like, it's the American way. Yeah, it's surprising that it takes them almost an hour and 20 minutes to reach the point that I'm guessing most people would normally reach within five minutes. <laughs> sue the guy. Um, so, yeah, like the, the kind of I like the kind of cross talking in this scene as well of how Tyler's going on about like, you know, a diorama. It's at, at science fair. And of course, Larry Summers is like, you know, get out of my office. Go sue somebody if you want to do that. And of course, Cameron's like, you know, thanks for your time. And, you know, we didn't ask for special treatment. Like there's a there's a whole series of kind of different conversations going on here. Um, and obviously, Tyler, you know, uh, deciding to kind of go out on a high, suggesting where the Harvard student handbook could go. Uh, <laughs> like it's, I don't know, it's, it's just a wonderful kind of exit. Like the tension of this scene has been building and building and building. And Larry Summers basically calling them daddy's boys and saying, get out of my office kind of pushes Tyler finally over the edge where he's just you know and and I I think that the whole kind of like him pulling the the doorknob off I don't know how real that is like I don't know if that actually ever happened um but at this point we're kind of so used to the physicality of um you know army hammer that it's just a funny little punchline to the whole scene of like you know she was like this building is a hundred years older than this country and then he's like oh I broke your doorknob (laughs) and you know I like that he does the maths for us as well you know 335 years um, you know, so I, 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 I just, I, I kind of, I don't know. I like the little exit because it's, it's one of those things where it's like, if that happened in real life, I'm sure she would have called somebody and somebody would have to pay some money for something. And it would have been a whole thing. Whereas here it's just played off as like, you know, the punchline to the whole setup before they went in, um, you know, and also it, it shows that the secretary is correct. Um, you know um while they were sitting there obviously tyler was like i'm not i'm not doing anything i'm just sitting in a seat and now she was she was correct you're gonna break something um and so it 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 almost feels like he did it just to prove a point um but yeah i don't know i just i love this this kind of this this cap to this scene because it just really it kind of shows where they the point that they've reached where they've tried you know cameron has tried arguing it from three different ways and he can't get any joy and Tyler has just got more and more frustrated. And so the both of them kind of finish the scene, you know, in a completely different place to when they enter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I like it, it, it kind of just emphasizing the frustration on Tyler's part. I don't get, you know, I, I don't get the feeling that that either of these uh, twins are obviously physical, but I don't get the feeling like they don't, they're not the type that lose control, even if Tyler has a little bit more of a temper than, than, than Cameron does, but they're not, um, you know, they don't lose control physically very often, it doesn't seem. So I think it's fair to question whether he did this on purpose or not. And yeah, if the secretary hadn't told them to be careful, would he still have done this or is he doing this to kind of prove a point? But I'm sure it, it a lot of it is the frustration. It probably felt very good in the moment just to get a little bit of that frustration and anger out and you know, take it out on this poor defenseless, defenseless doorknob. Um, but yeah, yeah. Nice and just back. be like, you know, <laughs> here here is a three hundred thirty five year old daughter. <laughs> yeah. um, no, Tyler so always at that was point, the funny one I found. <laughs> yeah, and, and the thing is, as well, in my head, I'm like, um, 
because uh, I was actually born the year after the bicentennial in America, mm-hmm. um, which over here is best known as the Silver Jubilee for the Queen. Yes. Um, so you know, um, and and so it's it's kind of interesting. I like how quickly he does the math on it, where he's like three hundred thirty-five. Because she said a hundred years older. Country's two hundred years old. It's been thirty-five years since you know. So I just I just kind of like how he kind of does all the math for you, and also gives you an idea of when this took place as well. Like. By, by doing that, he's kind of giving you, he's kind of dating it as well. It's it's a nice little touch from like Aaron Sorkin to be like, oh yeah, this this is when this took place. This is how you can work it out. Um, Thirty five years after the you know bicentennial, that's when this happened. <laughs> so um, you know, it's it's a nice little touch. But yeah, and then uh, you know, like kind of that was basically an interrupt. You know, we've had kind of two scenes. Um, you know, that weren't about um, you know the the depositions. You know, meeting Sean Parker. Um, and then obviously, you know, seeing the twins one final time before they, they kind of finally make the decision to sue. And so we end up back kind of as well. I like how, you know, when we get back to Gretchen, you know, as I, you know, one of the female characters in the film, um, you know, she she kind of says, you know, it's spring break. You and Mr. Zuckerberg took a trip to New York. So, again, this is like I said, you know, um, in terms of trying to guess when it is, we're now up to spring break 2004. So the film is kind of just giving us a timeline a little bit here. Um, and obviously, Eduardo is saying that as CFO, he'd set up meetings with potential advertisers. Um, and obviously, it's paid for out of the $1,000 account that he'd set up. Um, I don't know how, like, I don't know. Did they take, like, a Greyhound? Like, ha- like how did they get to New York? <laughs> like, if a thousand dollars is there for their server, and also like, well, actually, I think they spent like uh, like a hundred dollars on setting up a server, didn't they? So, but like, out of that thousand dollars, they seem to be spending a lot on that, like thousand dollars. Like, to be honest with you, like, I don't know how expensive plane tickets were, you know, back in two thousand four, but I'm guessing to get from like Boston to New York was. Um, I don't know. I feel I feel like they must have taken the buses yeah. or taken the Amtrak. Well, it depends or... on how long they stay, because the 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 big cost would have been. If they stayed in a hotel in New York City, that yeah. would have cost them at least a few hundred dollars, uh, two or three hundred dollars a night. Um, so that would have been expensive. I, they seem they, they seem like the the kind of guys who would have uh, stayed at like the YMCA yeah. on the Upper West Side or something. Like yeah, I mean they 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 could have done a day trip. Let's say you know if one of them has a car, the the drive from from Boston to New York City, depending on traffic, could be three and a half or four hours. Um, now it's going to take a little yeah. bit longer on the bus. The you know buses will generally go a little bit slower than a than a you know a smaller car, and they've got to wait for the bus. And then um, if it's if they're arriving at a bus terminal on the other end, then are they taking a taxi or or a subway? I guess if it's, if this is all coming out of that thousand dollars, maybe they're more likely to then take the local bus to the offices where they're meeting uh, for this appointment. Um, so yeah, and there also there are a few yeah. Um, there are discount bus services that go from Boston, New York. There's uh, like for fifteen or twenty dollars. Um, now those buses tend to break down. Obviously, at that price point, you're not getting the best in in maintenance and uh, and reliability. But there are yeah, there are some cheaper options that they're yeah. If they're only going off of that, you know, still on that initial thousand dollars, yeah, the the bus is probably more likely than than flying. I don't know. I guess uh, I guess like cheaper airlines were still be- were kind of becoming a thing in the early part of this millennium. Mm-hmm. So uh, maybe they could have got like a, a couple of cheap flights. I don't, I don't know. It just it just felt really weird that they still got this thousand dollars and they're using <laughs> it to pay for everything up until this point. 
I, I, you know, I, I, not only that, but we never get the impression that either of them drive. Um, so it just it just yeah. feels like maybe they they took a bus and stayed at a hostel or something for a, you know in a in a dorm room or something. Like they got no problems sleeping in rooms with other people. In I'm guessing at this point. Um, also, it says who paid for the trip, and just like to say paid for the trip, it doesn't sound like they just drove down. Like if you're having to pay for a trip, it sounds like there's some expenses that need to be met. Right. Um, yeah. Which yeah, is either travel yeah. or or accommodation. So yeah, like. Um, and if they're driving down parking in New York, I mean, come on, that's that's going to burn through a thousand dollars pretty quick, <laughs> right? Um, so I wonder what they've yeah, been doing because, so, as part of what Eduardo says, the to give us a, another sense of of the time frame, paid for out of the thousand dollar account I'd set up a few months earlier. So it's been a few months, yeah. on that that initial thousand dollars. If they if they bought some servers, some hardware, um, some traveling in this case, some other things, kind of I guess maybe they they're well, at least at this point, one what we know of Eduardo, he's going to be. That's probably due to his him keeping an eye on the purse strings and, and counting the pennies. Versus, um, Mark seems a little bit less concerned with with money or where they're spending it. Um, and then, of course, we find out that the meetings, uh, Eduardo says, they went terribly. Went terribly. And of course, we get this is. I mean, this is the in this week. This is the only line that we really get from <laughs> Jesse Eisenberg, where Eduardo says Mark was asleep, and of course he goes, "I wasn't asleep." Um, and then of course Eduardo says, "Can I rephrase my answer?" And Gretchen's like, "Sure." And he's like, "I wish he'd been asleep." Again, I don't know how accurate that is because that feels like a bit too too much of a jokey setup of like. Um, almost like the whole, you know, I don't like cricket, I love it. He wasn't asleep. <laughs> I wish he'd been asleep. I'm... Like, it feels a bit too sitcom-y to me. Um, you know, so I, I, I don't know. But then, of course, we find out Eduardo is in a three-piece suit, of course. Mark is in his hoodie and flip-flops. Um, and in the script, it's it's directed as he's completely detached and staring at the floor. But Jesse Eisenberg doesn't do that in his performance. He kind of stares off slightly in the distance, looking up. So, you know, he went a different direction. Um, and Eduardo gives us the stats. 29 schools, 75,000 members. People who go on the Facebook tend to stay on longer than any other site. And then, of course, he goes to give us the impressive statistic, but unfortunately we don't get the end of it until next week. But 91% of something. Of something. Um, but, I'm yeah, which obviously, you know, people who return to the sites, you know, we already know this because five minutes earlier we had Dakota saying <laughs> that she spends... She goes on there at least five times a day and spends tons of time on it, so it's hella addictive. So yeah, we've we've both at both ends of this week we've had the the assertion that Facebook is an addictive site and people kind of want to stay on it and go on it and do things on it, um, you know. And this is before as well. Remember, this is you know this is just as it had been launched. Um, so this is before all those you know games that everybody hated that kept sending out friend requests and stuff to people and. You know, um, so like this is before all of that kind of infrastructure of, you know, things that kind of gave you too many notifications. <laughs> um, you know, this is just people sending refund requests and updating their statuses. Um, and I don't think even at this point uploading photographs like that, I don't think that was a thing for the first kind of couple of years of Facebook. So not even like sharing pictures. It's just literally sharing statuses. People are on there for hours. Um, and of course, yeah. And when this is this is kind of key because at this point, and and I think it's it's, it's even true to a certain extent even today, but certainly at this time that that we're, we're looking at here in the, in the film, where there's a lot of questions of the the value of online advertising. That are, are people looking at ads 
And, you know, just saying you've had, so, you I get so many hits, you get so many people moving through your site during a day, Does that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be valuable to advertising. And then, the, you know, and Eduardo can follow up with, we don't just have all these members on all these schools, but they're also staying longer on the site. Um, so going back to that, where it can kind of help help establish that this is gonna this this might actually be worth something if people people aren't just passing through on their way to someplace else that they actually stick around a while so then you may get some traction if you put up a you know a billboard in our our virtual neighborhood where people are sticking around and and the thing is um, well I mean this is this is something that um, uh, yeah I read a book about many many years ago uh, which is the kind of creation of America online. Uh, obviously these days known as AOL full stop, um, uh, previously just known as AOL Inc., um, uh, which started out as a service to sell, um, this is, this sounds so weird, but, um, to sell, um, Commodore 64 modems. So modems that allowed people to play Commodore 64 games online. That was the, that was the original, that was the origin of, um, AOL. Um, and, you know, after that service shut down, they kind of changed their name to something else. And then eventually they became known as AOL. Um, and, you know, uh, they they ended up getting so big um, that by the time they got to, um, like, uh, I think it was like 2001 was when they started to, you know, kind of make moves towards merging with Time Warner. Um, but they weren't merging. They were taking it over. The company was worth so much. AOL was worth so much. They were worth more than Time Warner, and they were able to buy Time Warner, and they owned like AOL made up fifty five percent of that deal, which is insane uh, when you think about it. Um, <laughs> but as part of that, the way that AOL made its money, uh, and this is gonna, this is this is I, I believe me, I'm bringing this around. This is going to be relevant. Uh, was banner ads? They sold space on the AOL homepage. That's how they made their money. And they would do this with different companies. They would say, look, we're going to run your ad for a month and it will be like, you know, the side ad and that will be worth this much because this many people click on it. And, you know, you run it for 30 days and it will cost you this. Um, and what they used to do, the uh, the guys who did like the sales for AOL, and it's it, like it's an like the book that I've read. I mean, now it's like you know fifteen years out of date, but it was a, it, like the stuff that they did was kind of crazy. That it's like I wish there was like a TV show about how AOL used to sell ads <laughs> because they had a guy who like dressed in cowboy shoes and a cowboy hat, and he would come in and he would basically hold people's hands on contracts and make them sign for like these outrageous <laughs> deals where they'd be like paying millions and millions to AOL for ads that basically they they couldn't run because they didn't have enough time in the day to run those ads and you know most of these companies ended up going bankrupt but AOL made sure they got their payments before the companies went bankrupt and so that was kind of like the state of banner ads in like you know the early 2000s before like you know Facebook came along and obviously these days we know Facebook's mm -hmm. full of ads like you know but they're in your they're in your you know your, your actual news feed rather than being a banner ad like it, technically speaking you know Mark Zuckerberg didn't lie if you go on anybody's page on Facebook there's no ads but if you're on Facebook there's ads <laughs> so um, it's kind of weird like your own personal page on Facebook will never have ads um, you know, even the even the pages for, you know, kind of promotional things, you know, like companies and stuff, they won't have ads either. But 
in the timeline, you know, you get ads. And obviously you can create ads on Facebook as well that run in people's news feeds and stuff. Um, you know, so it's kind of crazy, but like that's how AOL made their money was banner ads. You know, that was how you as a dot com, that's how you made money was you sold you sold space because you could say, you know, we have um, I think in AOL's case, at one point, they had like 20 million monthly users. So, of course, you can say, look, there's 20 million people looking at those ads over the course of like a year. You're going to get this many people clicking on them. Therefore, those ads are worth, you know, 60 million dollars. And, you know, that's what AOL would do. They'd sign people up for two years, three years, four years, five years. A lot of the times, by the time you got to the end of those five years, those companies no longer existed. But AOL still had the money and they didn't even need to run the ads. Like, <laughs> yeah. And that was kind of like the, the business model. And it's funny that we get, you know, a, we got a tiny bit of that here. But obviously, you know, this is this is kind of the thing. Eduardo is looking at a way to monetize Facebook. And I think in his head, he's probably thinking banner ads. You know, people are staying around longer. Once you get on the site, the ad's just going to be at the top. People are going to click on it because we've got 75,000 members. 75,000 college students as well. Let's put it like, you know, if we're going to talk about like the ethics of Facebook, let's bear in mind that Eduardo was trying to sell ads to teenagers basically <laughs> and <laughs> and people kind of under yeah. the age of 21 like you know obviously graduates like when facebook started the I, you know there might have been some people who were 21 22 but there were very few people when you know when eduardo is taking this meeting who had graduated and who were you know you know fully grown adults out you know doing their own thing this is this is all college students that they're trying to sell to and that is you know it, it, that's like a market that advertisers would dream of having. Like imagine you just had access to like, you know, right. every single college student in the entire of the U S kind of unfettered like that, that kind that you could raise like millions just off that. Um, so of course, you know, the resistance from Mark in this film is kind of interesting. Um, but yeah, the fact that Eduardo is, is kind of giving us the details of like, you've got 75,000 members and they stay on there forever. <laughs> like once they're on the site, they really stay on the site um you know and like longer than any other site he says so obviously you know i don't know how true that is though that's the weird thing is like were people on this longer than google were they on there longer than myspace i don't know um but it's just one of those kind of things that this is the selling point um and you know that is how you made money in, in the early 2000s was banner ads on websites uh how effective they were i don't think anybody can ever really say um <laughs> yeah but you know aol managed to take over time warner off the basis of that so uh you know they did okay out of the deal um but yeah so like i say we only get a tiny bit of that scene and you know i'll talk about it more in detail next week but i do kind of like that you know this is something i mentioned before gretchen with her leading questions you know <laughs> like you know when she says how did you feel the meetings went she knows <laughs> what edward i was gonna say they went terribly you know it's such a leading question um you know and then the whole kind of why you know like she's clear she knows what he's going to say she knows where this is going and uh it's just one of the things that i really do like about these depositions it's clear that eduardo has been well prepared and gretchen knows what she's doing like this is these are, these are people kind of operating almost to a script of like you know gretchen will ask you this then you say that and you know i, I also the kind of emphasis as well that you know eduardo is the only one who's put any money into this company if Facebook was worth anything, you know, in 2004, it was it was all Eduardo's money. You know, like he was the owner of Facebook effectively at that point. Well, yeah, to remember that this is to, to get back to, you know, where we are. Well, we're in a depos deposition that go that is, um, you know, trying to establish how much of this company, how you know, how much of Facebook does Eduardo own or should he own is kind of the, the central question that. 
the central disagreement that they're trying to get to the bottom to bottom of there. Um, so yeah, going to that up to this point, everything is coming out of that account that Eduardo set up. And the second hour of this film, which is, you know, what we're heading into now is mostly going to be about that. It's going to be about how Facebook grew, um, how Eduardo was paying for it. And then (laughs) how that ended up kind of getting away from Eduardo. And, you know, does, is Eduardo entitled you know, like, should he have, should he have, um, you know, a bigger say in in the stock of Facebook? You know, should he have more than the, you know, zero point zero 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 whatever percent he ends up with? <laughs> yeah. You know, and you know, I'd say at this point in the film, when you're listening to it, you're like, well, yeah, Eduardo, you know, it's fifty fifty. You know, even though they split it seventy thirty, you know, it's fifty fifty. Eduardo's put the money in. Without the money, Mark's got nothing. You know, and, and taking the meetings kind of made sense. You know, like. Eduardo's, you know, a thousand dollars in the hole. He needs to get that money back somehow. <laughs> so, yeah. so, you know, yeah. unless unless Mark's going to take out a loan and give it back to him, then they need to start making money. And uh, you know, this is just the start. Obviously, this is the seed of how you know this whole thing ends up kind of falling apart. Is Eduardo's very strong view that they need to make money, and Mark's very strong view that. <laughs> No. <laughs> no. Yeah. So that yeah, this this kind of kicks off that yeah that that second part or the second hour of the movie yeah the the little bit that we have of um you know that that flashback to that meeting that Eduardo was talking about during the deposition where we see like obviously he is he's dressed traditional business meeting type dress he's got a three piece suit and tie and and Mark is in. Uh, well, the script says flip flops. I don't know if we actually get to see the flip flops, but he's in. You know w- what we see is a t-shirt and a hoodie, and he's not really paying attention. And it's kind of, um, I think of it, uh, you know, in one way or one way to think of it as kind of sort of West Coast, East Coast, sort of the Silicon Valley startup uh, mentality versus uh, New York sort of Boston mentality, where yeah, Eduardo was thinking. All right, this you know this is a business we can make money. Let's let's sell some advertising. Uh, where Mark would be a lot more interested if they were, say, meeting with a developer and you know meeting with, um, you know meeting with someone who has some new technology that they can incorporate into Facebook. And maybe that means you know talking with about spending money. Forget making money. Let's you know if there's some new technology, if there's a great new developer, if there's hardware, if there's other things we can be doing to kind of grow, then let's spend that money and, and has no interest in, um, at least for at this point. I mean, at some point, they're going to want, even Mark is going to want some money coming in. But yeah, at this point, he's more interested in, in growing the business and, and Eduardo's more interested in, in doing business. And it becomes, well, and then once Mark moves to the West Coast, it becomes even more pronounced. The, the different directions and the different philosophies on on what to do with with Facebook are gonna that chasm's just gonna continue to grow. And I think it's interesting because obviously, you know, um uh, something that uh, the Simpsons made fun of was the uh, the kind of Silicon Valley attitude during the first dot com mm-hmm. bubble, which was literally, you know, uh, this is a workplace but it's not a workplace. You know, we've got beanbags, we've got, you know, table tennis um you know we've got a slide that takes us from you know the second floor down to the lobby like er- like everything was kind <laughs> yeah. of geared towards kind of um you know the generation x kind of coders 
um, were were kind of used to being, I don't know, kind of babied a little mm -hmm. bit, <laughs> kind of treated a bit more like kind of kids and kind of given a workplace that was less about work and more about fun. And, you know, the dot, dot com bubble kind of killed that off. But there is still, you know, the second kind of wave of like Silicon Valley stuff as portrayed in the TV show Silicon Valley. Um is again about, you know, having like an unlimited breakfast bar and, you know, uh, pods for people to go and, you know, meditate in. And like, it, there still is like this kind of, you know, this mentality of like, look, with the West Coast, it's really hot. People are going to work, but they also need somewhere to kind of relax. Um, and also don't ever leave the Google campus, you know, like don't ever go home, um, you know, <laughs> like stay here coding and then maybe take a break and then maybe sleep in a pod and then come back to coding. Never leave your job you know, is kind of the new Silicon Valley. It's less fun than the kind of, you know, dot-com bubble. Um, but, you know, that kind of that kind of attitude of, like, you know, you have to start making money at some point. <laughs> like, like, that idea is something that obviously Mark is resistant to at this point because he's 20. Mm -hmm. Like, he's 20, he's a college student, and this is just a, a thing that he's done on the side. You know, he called he called Eduardo the CFO because Eduardo gave him a thousand pounds for a Linux box and a server. Like... He, you know, he's not really the CFO. Like th that isn't how Mark really views him. But you know, that is how he. You know, he was a business major. You call him a CFO. He 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 takes that seriously. He becomes a CFO. <laughs> you know, like he puts on a suit and you know. Whereas Mark is like, yeah, of course I'm in hoodies and flip flops. I'm a 20 year old student. I don't need to be dressing like that. You know, like I need. I just need to dress like I normally dress so I can get stuff done. Um, so I like the kind of contrast. Um, like you say, it is a bit kind of like East Coast, West Coast. Um, although, you know, the irony of Mark going around Boston in, in flip-flops <laughs> is something I've spoken about in previous minutes. Like, you know, Boston is not known for being a sunny place. No. Like, you know, no. it, the, you know, it gets cold enough for the Charles River to freeze over. So, you, you know, running around in flip-flops does seem a little bit kind of silly. Um, so, yeah, but it is just kind of the attitudes between the two of them. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, obviously, when I'll, I'll talk more about, uh, you know, Aaron Sorkin and his cameo next week. And then, you know, we get the entrance, you know, the meeting that everyone's been waiting for, um, you know, building up to the kind of, the, you know, the, the line that's in the trailer that everybody kind of focuses on, um, which, of course, is something that the Winklevoss twins let their imagination run away with. And unfortunately, <laughs> Larry Summers <laughs> struck them down and they were to be denied the punchline of a billion dollars. Um, so is there anything else that needs to be said about this uh, this minute? No, I think we've covered all my notes on minute 65. Uh, yeah, as mentioned yesterday, you know, there are other movies that are being taken apart minute by minute. Uh, I myself have produced a few of those. Um, and, you know, if you want to see other ones, then you can go to moviesbyminutes.com. You know, if there isn't a film there that's been taken, you know, this is a film that you like and nobody's talking about it minute by minute, feels like you should do that. Just start talking about a film minute by minute. Um, you know, and surely people will listen. If you if you build it, they will come, uh, as I believe they said in Wayne's World 2. Um, so uh, I guess we're done for the week, so let's go to plugs one last time, Sean. Is there anything you All want right. to plug? Sure. Well, uh, just thanks again for having me. I've enjoyed talking about this wonderful movie. And if, uh, yeah, if folks want to listen to me talk about some other movies, I've been involved with... Um, well, one particular project where I talked about the movie How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days um, in a product title, How to Lose a Guy in or 10 Episodes. Um, so I've got a link to that if you go to my website at catandshawn.org and it's C-A-T 
and seanseanorg So I've got links to, well, when this comes around, I'll have links to this episodes and, and everything that we talked about this week, a link to uh, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, a link to all my other podcasts, uh, my hosting and my uh, my guest appearances. You can all find that. And since we've uh, since we're talking about Facebook, I'll mention a few Facebook groups. So for uh, Spinal Tap Minute, we had a face group, uh, Facebook group that we called the Groupies, uh, Groupies Lounge, the Spinal Tap Minute Groupies Lounge. And then for Groundhog Minute, we had a group we called Gobbler's Knob. And then we also have the Jelly of the Month Club, which is my Facebook group for uh, Scrooged, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, our uh, previous holiday movies that we've talked about, and we've got a couple couple new ones coming up for the uh, for the end of this year. So uh, you can find all that in the Jelly of the Month Club on Facebook. So yeah, check those out. And you can find us on MySpace at myspace.com slash the social minute, on Twitter at social underscore minute, and on Facebook at the social minute podcast. Thanks as well for being my guest here this week, Sean. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Darren. And I will see you next week. <laughs>